Thanks, Mark. I will let's pray before I read from the passage. Dear Heavenly Father, grant us ears to listen and hearts to obey as we listen to the truth in your word. May it sanctify us and may it transform our minds and lives to be more like your son, Jesus. Thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone, and praise the Lord that we can come together as his people to listen to his words. Now, I remember some months ago, I preached a couple of sermons in TGCC in, about how Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel and spur him to keep the integrity of the gospel with faith and love in Christ Jesus, and also to guard the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit. But when we come to chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, Paul wants Timothy to know something very important. Now, we might wonder what would that be. Now, listen to what Paul said in verse 1. He said, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. The NRSV translated it as, you must 
understand this, that in the last days, distressing times will come. Perhaps we may wonder what's the urgency. After all, these last days seems to be quite far away, right? No. In fact, the last days had already begun since the day of the Pentecost. So Paul's warning to Timothy is not something that would happen in the, in the future, but rather it is already happening in the city of Ephesus where Timothy is at. So what is the difficulty Paul is so eager to tell Timothy? In fact, it is the difficult environment that Timothy and the church are confronted with. Paul knew that Timothy's task of preaching the true gospel while encouraging believers to live a godly life is a very challenging task. But why? The problem is the people, ungodly people who live ungodly lives. Now, specifically, Paul is referring to the following types of people. Let us first look at verse 2. He said, people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. People who are lovers of themselves are usually boastful. Now, they will boast about how well they're doing, about their achievement in lives, and they are not lovers of good. They have a sense of this self-importance, expected to be recognized more superior than others. They're generally abusive, ungrateful, and disrespectful of others, and they are unforgiving. Paul even said they are disobedient to the parents. Now, just imagine, would these sort of people would have the desire in their hearts to come to Jesus. In fact, the psalmist said in chapter 10, verse 4, he said, in the, pride of that, in the pride of his face and wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Well, we come to the second character Paul refers to are those who are lovers of money. Now, are we talking about rich people here or the poor people? In fact, lovers of money can be both rich and poor people. Then, is there a problem with money? No. In fact, money in itself is a good thing. We all know that we need money to live. We need money to support our family, to help those who are in needs, to run our hospitals, our schools, and even to run the church. We need money. So money is important. In fact, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he said, he didn't say money is the root of all evils, but rather it is the love of money is the root of all evils. Then why is it difficult to minister to people who are lovers of money? The difficulty is that people who are lovers of money worship money as their master and not God. Then Paul comes to the third character of these type of people, those who love pleasures, lovers of pleasure. Well, this sort of behavior is somewhat similar to people who are lovers of money and lovers of themselves. They only care for themselves. They only care for their own pleasures, their own interests, 
and their own wants. They hardly have other people's interests at heart. Paul said to those who are lovers of themselves, those who are lovers of money, and those who are lovers of pleasures, are no lovers of God. Now, perhaps some people may say this. I think Paul is too pessimistic about the people in the last day. Surely there is some sort of a natural goodness in people. I believe the culture of loving ourselves, loving money, loving uh, pleasures is so entrenched in the current day society that it has become so acceptable and at times considered as normal. And if a person does not set their life or their aim in life to pursue wealth and status, and status, he might be even considered as a loser, someone who lacks ambition. So when the society look at the teaching of the church, that is to encourage us to set our aim in life to follow Jesus, they'll probably roll their eyes and say, how strange these group of people are. That is the warning Paul gives to Timothy, that in the last days, the church is confronted with this sort of culture in the society. And for the church to operate and to do their ministry in this environment is extremely difficult. The next question is, is this the only difficulty Timothy and the church are faced with? Oh, oh no. In fact, there is a more worrying problem. Let's look at verse 5. Paul says, having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Now, this is the sting in the tail. Paul refers to the people, these people as religious showmen, and sadly, they are present in the church in Ephesus. They are like a Trojan horse in the church who has already infiltrated the church. In fact, I would say these sort of people could pose more threats to the gospel ministry, than those ungodly people who are outside the church. These people have some form of godliness, but they strive to live a life not that different from the people in the world. I mean, they have the appearance of godliness, but actually they are quite ungodly inside. Though they perform all kinds of external religious practices, they are morally corrupt and spiritually powerless. Now, in fact, in the Bible, frequently warn us about these sort of people too. In the Old Testament, through, uh, through prophet Isaiah, God rebuked the people in, in Judah. He urged them to wash themselves, to remove their sins, all the evils they have done, and repent. Though they had big religious feasts, prayers, and worship services, they were not good. They don't do anything good. They don't seek justice or even help the, the widows. Now, we can read it in Isaiah chapter 1. Now, Jesus, too, said this to the religious, religious men in his time. On the outside, you appear to be people who are righteous. But in your inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. We can probably remember the incident that the Pharisees 
Jesus criticized Jesus' disciples not washing their hands before they eat. Though we know that it is important to wash our hands these days before meals time, especially after the outbreak of the COVID, it seems that we are washing everything that enters our house these days. But we know that the criticism of these Pharisees against Jesus' disciples has nothing to do with hygiene or killing germs. This religious showman just focus on external holiness or traditions instead of the holiness inside them. That's why Jesus said to these Pharisees, Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are actually very far away. Paul said to Timothy, have nothing to do with these people or avoid them. Now, how about doing ministry in Melbourne? In fact, we will be naive to think that this letter was the only written to the people or the churches in Ephesus during that time. In fact, this letter is so relevant to us today as well because we too are living in the last days. In many ways, we live in a city not that dissimilar to Ephesus. As far as I know, Ephesus during that time is considered as a big city with a population no less than Geelong, about a quarter of a million people. And it is a very important commercial city. Melbourne, I would say, it is a very affluent city as well. And I believe the culture in our city is probably not that different from what Paul is referring to in, in verse two to four. Now, if that is the case, do we encounter the same difficulty in gospel ministry as they encountered in Ephesus? Now, I do not know about your personal experience, but let me share with you about someone who knows. So many years ago, um, our friend Rob Martin came down from Sydney to set up the City Bible Forum in Melbourne. He said it in many, many occasions in, one, in, in his lunchtime, uh, lunchtime sessions. He said this, to do gospel ministry in Melbourne is like plowing concrete. The soil is extremely hard. Now, perhaps we can bring up with Rob when we see him again, in, uh, when we see him in October in our church camp, he's asked church camp speakers and see what, maybe perhaps give us an update on his ministry. But is this the only difficulty our current churches are facing? Oh no, similar to the church in Ephesus, not only the church today have to deal with these external challenges, we also have the internal problems. Sadly, we too, we too, have this type of religious showman in today's church. These people will kneel down to say the confession prayer, but they remain very unforgiving. They will sing praises to the Lord, but their hearts are far away from God. Some may even find the church a pleasurable place to visit, to attain, and not come to the church in reverence to worship God. 
But worse still, some of these people may hold leadership positions in the church. They will even sing from the same hymn sheets as the world to preach the wealth and health gospel. Hence misleading the flock and weakening their faith. We can see it in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31, where the Lord speaks against these false prophets because it says, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. Same with Ezekiel chapter 34. God rebuked these false shepherds who have been feeding themselves rather than the sheep. You can see that happening in today's churches as well. And what is the consequence? Distressing. The church has to spend a disproportionate amount of energy to resolve this matter, to deal with this problem created by these false shepherds, rather than focusing our energy into gospel ministry and looking after the flock. Paul then warns Timothy of these people's character in the last day. He mentioned in from verse 6 to 9, he said this, They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control of gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desire. How do... How would they or how do they worm into homes? One, by deception, and then they pick their victims, and then they corrupt their minds. You see, to worm your ways into any home, one has to be non-intrusive and at times have to appear gentle. And how do they pick their victims? Paul mentioned here, gullible women, who are loaded with sins and they are easily swayed by their evil desires. But I think the same applies to, all, to men as well. It applies to anyone who have these ungodly desires in them. It's because in verse 7 it says, always learning but never seems to come to knowledge of the truth. We may find some people who attend church quite regularly for many years, but it never seems to have the word of God to be rooted into their hearts. And it is to these people who will be easily become their victims. In fact, one of my aunties in Malaysia years ago lost a lot of money due to her desires to get high interest uh, deposit rates uh, in her investment. So when someone came along, and offer her an investment she can't turn down with high interest rate. The greed in her heart led her to fall for it. So there's another challenge for the church to make sure that the people are taught the right teaching because God's word are useful for correcting and training for righteousness. Now, Today, I do stay home a lot at home due to um, I'm not working, so to speak. And uh, before the lockdown, I occasionally 
come across the Jehovah Witness people who worm into my front door and they try to corrupt me with their beliefs. In fact, because of the lockdown, they can't come to my house now. They send me a letter. They're getting very personal. They actually wrote to me in Mandarin. See how observant they are, how gentle they are, or how caring they are. And when I read the letter, it says, uh, we care for your well-being during this lockdown. And, and, and if you need any help, contact us. And inside the letter, there are some brochures about uh, their heretical teaching. In fact, I know of a woman who lives in Cobra who actually accepted Jehovah Witness people into her home. And she, obviously, they will, they will feed her with all the heretical teaching about God. Therefore, the best defense against these people who try to worm your way, not your way, or worm their way into your homes, is to equip ourselves with the word of God. And that is the challenge for the churches today. Paul then gives an example of two persons in, 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 uh, in verse 8, in James and Jambres. Paul alluded to the sorcerers in actually in Exodus chapter 7, who opposed Moses in front of the Pharaoh, just as the false teachers who opposed Paul and Timothy in the first century. Now, if we are confronted with these difficulties in the last days, is there hope for us? Let's look at verse 9. Paul encouraged Timothy, but they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to anyone. Paul said that the foolishness of these people will be exposed and people will see who they really are. Only the word of God can expose these people. Finally, Paul suggests to Timothy some practical ways that he should continue to do in these uh, distressing times. The key is not to give up. The key is to observe and follow. This is to follow, that is to follow Apostle Paul. Let us look at verse 10. He said, now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Paul asked Timothy first to observe his teaching. He then asked him to observe how he conduct his life and follow it. Not only Paul encourages Timothy to observe his teaching and his conduct, he also asked him to uh, observe his aim in life. Uh, this is very important because where we set our aim in life will drive where we put our energy into. Paul's aim in life is not about pleasure. It's not about wealth or personal fortune or fame. His aim in life is to finish his ministry given to him by Christ Jesus to take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's his purpose. In the last part of verse 10, Paul asked Timothy to observe his patience, faith, and love. 
In fact, we are, we have we can we Paul has already said this to Timothy in chapter one verse thirteen. He said, "Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." Then in verse eleven, Paul used his past experience in suffering and endurance to teach Timothy about God's faithfulness and prepare Timothy when he were to be persecuted by other people for Christ's sake. He said this in verse 11, my persecutions, my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and in Lystra. What precautions, are, not precautions, what persecutions I endure. Yet the Lord, yet the Lord rescued me um, from all of them. Now we knew, we know from uh, Paul's uh, missionary trips that he was stoned at Lystra. We can read it in Acts 14 by the crowd from Antioch and Iconium. And they thought he was dead. But actually he wasn't. So later he rose up and he continued the gospel work in that region. Perhaps we might be puzzled by this verse. If the Lord rescued Paul from all these persecutions, why would Paul eventually end up in the prison in Rome waiting for his execution? In fact, the rescue has a deeper meaning. It is not just rescuing Paul from all, all his persecutions, but rather Lord rescued Paul so that he would not give in to his persecutors. Rescue him from abandoning his, his faith in spite of all the, 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 the difficulties and the sufferings he endured. Now, this is a lesson Paul wants Timothy to learn. Put your trust in Jesus when being persecuted for the gospel's sake because God is faithful. God will enable you to finish this race of faith. In conclusion, how should we respond during the last day, during the gospel, uh, when the gospel work is going to get harder and not easier? Well, one, at least for the least, we should not give up our hope because we can draw strength from the grace of God, the grace that is in Christ. Let us as God's people, no matter how old we are or you are, to set or reset our aim in life, to observe Jesus' teaching and to follow him, and not to pursue wealth and pleasures. It is important for Christian parents as well to use the word of God to shape the direction of your children. In fact, in one of my relatives' Facebook posting recently, he proudly put up a video of his son Guess how old he is? Four years old. And this son stood up in front of the video and publicly said this, I want to become a billionaire. Not millionaire. Millionaire is not enough for this kid. He wants to become a billionaire. Just imagine a four-year-old child already has that aim set for him. I wonder where did he get that idea from? 
You see, there's a risk for Christians to pursue wealth and fame. Look at what happened to Demas. In Phenomon, Demas is mentioned as a fellow worker. He was a, a post co-worker. In Colossians, he's mentioned along with Luke. Now, obviously, he was very much involved in the gospel ministry until he fell in love with the present world. Hear what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 about this guy, Demas. He fell in love with this present world and has deserted me, or means Paul, and, want, and gone to Thessalonica. Paul did not elaborate exactly what it means by falling in love with this world because he didn't give any more details. But certainly it's not very good. Well, second, as God's people, we need to seek the Holy Spirit to help us to persevere in gospel ministry in the last days. We need to continue to proclaim that Christ is Lord, our Savior, and we need to continue to pass on the gospel with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And the good news is we are not doing all this by ourselves. The Spirit from God will give us the strength, the power, and the love to do it. Lastly, we need to seek the Lord to strengthen our faith in Him, to preserve us, because the day might come we have to be we have to face with persecutions for Christ's sake. Now, it's not like we purposely have to go and look for persecution, but listen to what verse 12 says. Indeed, all who want to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The day will come in Melbourne. We will face persecutions in one form or another. And lastly, be aware of those imposters and evildoers, the false shepherds, the false prophets, including these religious showmen who are to corrupt our minds with their behaviors and with their heretical teachings. Keep away from them and don't be deceived by them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words today. We continue to pray that you will strengthen our faith in you and help us to lead a godly life in these last days. Help us to be, not to be influenced by the ungodly desires of the world and prepare us for any persecutions that will come our way and rescue us from giving up in you when persecution does arrive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over to you, Mark.